0: Welcome everybody back to the Better Board Games podcast. I'm one of your hosts, McKay Anderson, also known as uh, the Board Game Critic on social media, mostly Instagram, and I'm here with my co-host. I am Evan from Being Friends. We are here
1: today to talk to you about house rules. And I know that as you hear that, you have something to come to mind. Maybe you hate them. Maybe you love them. Um, We're going to discuss everything we think about them. um, So make sure
0: you stick around. We try and keep these episodes to around 30 minutes uh, for at least the main body of the show. We oftentimes will have a post-show where we just kind of go over things that may or may not be related to board games. Um, if you want to stick around for that, then you are more than welcome to, but uh, absolutely not obligated to. And for this episode specifically, it's late for, <laughs> for especially Evan, kind of late for me. Uh, we will probably keep the uh, after show very brief.
1: That's right. And uh, additional caveat, you're not required to stay for any of the show. <laughs> but the main bulk of the topic, we hope that you will,
0: uh, <laughs> especially. So on this show, we try to make a better world of board gaming. And that's not just to improve your game or try and find more games. What we really hoped that you'll get out of this is a level of self-improvement that helps you be a better person, helps you treat the people around you better, and hopefully you walk away from this committed and excited about just being better.
1: The idea is that playing games is not just about the games, but it's maybe even more primarily about the players. And you and I um, are all players. So that's going to affect the game. And in fact, we believe and we have found that the better players we become, um, the more the play experience is improved. Um, so it, it's, it's legitimately worth considering things like losing a game can actually become something that's that's fun and not like this tumultuous thing. Um, so that's kind of our, our mission statement.
0: Yep. And speaking about treating people awesomely, um, we wanted to give a shout out to our awesome sponsor, Big Viking Mats. Um, we were able to get some samples of their mats. They do custom cut, beautiful, really thick, nice mats. If you want to protect your table or your game, uh, we definitely urge you to uh, find them. They are at vikingmats.com. And go ahead and check them out. They've been awesome, great service, and just a really high quality product.
1: They are seriously the thickest play mats I've ever used. They're especially squishy. Um, And so... If you like something that's squishy, you might like these mats.
0: (laughs) Let's go ahead and head into the main bulk of our topic. And I don't know about you, Evan, but I'm feeling like the later recording time. Like (laughs) I'm going to try to feel it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to try and keep my energy up and it's even later for you. So I um, well, I don't feel specifically super tired. I'm a
1: single guy. I'm a bachelor. Um, Nine o'clock for me isn't. We're good. We're okay. I had some coffee earlier today, too. (laughs) I'm good. more chipper than I usually am, we'll say.
0: <laughs> awesome. Hopefully I'll make well, up for can, it. Yeah, you can carry uh, my lack of energy. But this is a topic that I'm pretty excited about. So hopefully that'll get me. I mean, usually when I start talking about board games, my blood gets pumping and I get really excited. Uh-huh. So <laughs> hopefully this up. will be one of those times. I am also excited about this topic. This is um, a, something that's such an interesting
1: question. Is it good or okay even? to make house rules for your game. What do you think about house rules? I'm going to open with basically a quick anecdote. I used to hate them with a burning passion, and now I really like them.
0: I might be the opposite way. (laughs) I think a while (laughs) ago, I would have said... Yeah, it's all about like having fun. And I still believe that the board games, if you're not having fun, then you've done something wrong and you should change so that you're having fun. However, I have had some experiences in my past that I feel like games have been destroyed or ruined for me or for a group because people weren't playing by the rules. And the game was forever just like blacklisted because people weren't playing by the rules and so I think it perpetuates this weird problem that we'll get into and I'll give some examples uh, later on in the episode so we may have some disagreeing opinions I think we can both see both sides of the argument so yeah for sure hopefully we'll provide a pretty rounded view of the issue that's the idea um so yeah I remember when I
1: was it was before I was really a a gamer per se I, I enjoyed board games and I I liked learning games all the time and playing them with my family a hundred percent, but it was before I was really like deep into the hobby. So basically it was when I was playing games like Catan, you know, we've all been there. Um, We may or may not. Yeah, exactly. We may or may not think of that time fondly. I do. I I do think of that time fondly, but so I was just at the precipice of my, me like falling in love with games many years out, but I was prone to it, you could say. Um, and I remember playing Catan with a group of friends and being flabbergasted by their house rules. They took some of the primary rules of Catan and threw them out the window because they wanted it to be less, um, less competitive and less conflicting. Hmm. And they seriously ruined Catan <laughs> in a way that I, I was not okay with. I was like, we, this is no, this is terrible. This is, and I, I, it was basically the beginning of me like understanding why a rule sets the way it is and how changing that can severely alter the play experience for the better or for the worst. In this situation, it was a hundred percent for the worst. And I had reasons why <laughs> all over the place. Um, basically for the context, the rule that they changed was that you can pull, pull whenever you build a settlement, you can build it on any section or oh, whenever you build a sec, uh, whenever you build a settlement, you can build it on any space and not just within two of another settlement. Mm-hmm. The original rules require that you are building it in a specific spot that isn't right next to another one. Essentially, right? You have to be two spaces away and they didn't like that. So they changed that and the game sucks without it. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, I can already tell you all of the things that that breaks. You end up with people like the strongest stronger because the people who claim those spots early on can really quickly build like a crazy monopoly. additional, even like the first settlement. Right. Even is it? it's, yeah. So
1: there's so many reasons why it's it's wrong. Specifically, and this is an example of like the next layer of how a rule set can affect the game. And fast forward to now, I am an aspiring game designer. I um, so this is the kind of thing that I have worked with to a certain extent. I haven't like designed a lot, but I've created rule sets for games and adjusted them. And you know, I understand this idea. And to to an extent, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not like
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm no Uwe Rosenberg or anything by <laughs> any standards. Like not even close. Um, but anyways, it meant that everyone was incentivized not to spread out. So everyone was doing their own thing in their own section of the board and there's no expansion. There's no, like basically made roads half as valuable. Um, Basically it just made the game fall flat. And did you,
0: did you try and explain to them at some point why it was worse during the game immediately? (laughs) And how was, how was that received? Um, They, I don't remember. It wasn't that
1: Like they weren't like, That offended or anything, but we didn't change it. I I think that there was several did. Um, I'm not sure if it was this one or other house rules that I just didn't abide by. I think it was this one. I was like, I'm just gonna build two roads in between. Like, I'm still playing by this rule, (laughs) which is
0: hilarious. But I hated it 100. percent and that's fair. So, in addition to your experience, let me tell you one of mine. Um, there's a game called Hand and Foot, and I don't know if you've played it. It's pretty obscure. It's a card game. Um, usually you combine a couple decks of just normal poker cards. And it's it's a pretty mindless, just like, you know, set collecting game. But you have a partner or you're on a team and you're trying to just like uh, create what's called a book. And so it's a collection of, I think, seven of the same number. And then you can like close the book. Discarding cards is a fairly prominent part of the game because there are cards that you cannot win the game if you have them in your hand. There are cards that are massive negatives if you have them in your hand at the end of the game. And so there's pretty consistent discarding of just really terrible cards. As the game goes on, it becomes a mixed bag where you have good cards and you have bad cards. Now, the way I learned to play is that the top seven cards are what you have to draw. If you're going to draw any cards out of the discard pile, you have to take the top seven, which was a really interesting thing because as people ditch their really bad cards, then it gets to a point where it's a kind of mix, and you're trying to gauge, okay, if I take the last seven, you're also trying to kind of remember what people had discarded. If you take the seven, then you're kind of playing a little bit of a risk that um you're gonna get more out of you're gonna get more good than you get bad out of that discard pile so then fast forward to i get married and play with my in-laws Uh oh and they have instead of just combining decks of cards they have actual purchased copies so it's not actually their fault but whoever had taken this game and adapted it from just a deck of cards to the actual branded game um they said, when you take the discard pile, you take the entire thing. Oh, so that did a couple things. It one just loaded somebody's hand with tons and tons of cards. And where this is a game that I mean, closing books and getting cards on the table is your primary method of getting points. It was almost always valuable to take the deck. So it took away a lot of really interesting aspects and kind of turned it into this whoever grabs, whoever's able to grab the discard pile first, they just ran away with like a thousand extra points. And I don't know, it just became so scripted and predictable. And... Um, I tried to bring that up I don't think any of my (laughs) in-laws listen to this podcast and if you do I still love you all and it's just a difference of opinion but (laughs) um, the game became insanely boring to me uh, as as a result of all of that and yeah in a similar way it was like a game that I was like oh yeah I like this game and then all of a sudden I was like no I don't like this game like this not not like this no and so
1: that's interesting. Um, it sounds like, to me, the root of the issue is when a game, um, when, it's, when someone doesn't like a rule and they decide to take it out mm-hmm. or change it so that it's less restricting, they feel like that makes it more fun because they don't like the restrictions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in reality, that's more or less the opposite effect. Um, obviously, people apparently think that it's fun. But in my mind, restrictions are what makes games exist and work. Um, and if a game didn't have any restrictions, then it's not a, like it's, it's integral to a game's fundamental being that there's restrictions. Right. And the amount of restrictions is um, depending on what not. But um, often trying to remove the restrictions removes what is fun about the game.
0: Right. By definition, like a game is not a game unless there's rules, right? Like it is by the rules that you play a game. And so obviously rules are extremely important to the integrity of a game. And I think that's where I could share my other experience of why we've shared negative experiences thus far. (laughs) Um, That's right. But get ready. I know. I I (laughs) understand, Evan, that you have some reasons why it is good to change roles and worry, not, rules and adapt house they're not good reasons so you can sit <laughs> happy they're not good reasons no
1: they are i think they are do you want to hear them i do <laughs> um awesome so <laughs> or at least a story <laughs> so here's here's what happened for me that like that story from was from like maybe five six years ago mm-hmm. since then I have dove headfirst into games, even started designing my own games to a certain amount. I, I feel like as of now, I have developed a decent understanding of what makes games good, what makes them work, what makes them not work, all those kinds of things. And here's what happened. The, actually, for more context, the reason why I hated house rules originally was because I remember thinking, don't you understand that the person who designed this game knows more than you do about this, about how this should work? And since then, I have gained this this sensation that actually, with with certain games, I think I actually know better than the designer does. (laughs) You could say that that's out of this this sense of pride, but at the same time, there's got to be some, potentially some truth to it, like in certain examples, um, (laughs) which basically makes me go, oh, when I'm playing a game, often I'm like, I don't think that this is designed to its fullest potential. And here's how I would change it to be what I would consider a better game. In some situations, it's, it's a preferential change. In some situations, I think it's better. And so I love house rules. I love that games that board games specifically are a, are something that can be modified. It's actually something that I think is an asset to the hobby that. I can do whatever I want with this piece of cardboard in front of me.
0: Okay, so I'm just going to say my main, where my thoughts changed on house rules is when I started designing for the Monopoly brand. Now, before you jump (laughs) off and before you stop stop listening listening to the podcast, don't worry, everyone who is (laughs) triggered by that,
1: only half of the people in this podcast have anything good to say about Monopoly. Don't worry. If you're listening to this,
0: you probably loathe Monopoly. Yeah. Um. So when I started designing for Monopoly, I had the same like, oh, it's the worst game in the world. I went in with the opinion that as a game designer, I would do my best to fix Monopoly. Um, mm-hmm. Then I sat down with my boss and we played a game of Monopoly, and he wiped the floor with me in under an hour, and it was remarkable, and. There were several rules that I learned were house rules that didn't actually exist in Monopoly that had never been part of the rule structure, should never Uh be part of the rule structure. But people started adding them in, and it had destroyed the game. So, I mean, things like their free parking never does anything, it's nothing. It's a free space where you sit and take a rest. There is no pile of money that goes in the center of the board. If somebody lands on a property, it must be auctioned off or it must be purchased. Um, And negotiation is probably the key aspect of Monopoly that gets left out. If If people play Monopoly not willing to give people Monopolies, then the game will go on forever. But because it's the name of the game and people are, they just think they know, they're just like, no, I'm not giving away Monopolies. So what my boss had done was he bought, he bought the light blues and the browns, which those are the first stretch you go down. I don't think I need to explain Monopoly to anyone. Um, he, <laughs> he paid obscene amounts of money to get those from people. And then he built houses on all of them, not hotels. He built up houses so that there were not enough houses in the pool left for everybody else to build anything. He, saw, he siphoned off all of the houses so nobody could develop any further. And the, component, uh, the components are limited, right? Right. And that's one thing that people, if they're like, oh, dumb game didn't come with enough houses. I'm going to go get my own like pennies or something and we'll do that. <laughs> Again, house rule that breaks the game. And so I'm not saying that all house rules are have this much gravity to them because that's definitely not true um there are a lot of house rules that are very harmless and even improve the game however i do think there is a problem with if this gets too lax then you run the risk of just destroying the reputation of the game i i totally agree i totally agree um i do think
1: that that example is a completely different idea than like what your what house rules I've I'm referring to. Uh it, it's it's 100% this maybe the same kind of thing but to me monopoly is more the culprit isn't someone trying to fix the game. The culprit is no one reads the rule book for monopoly. They just learned it from somebody else. it's to me the exact same problem lies in traditional card games when everyone has a different way to play the same game because there it's such a widespread game that uh, whenever there it's something that's so popular such that that you're supposed to learn right um a game like monopoly um it's almost inevitable that people are gonna be playing it differently than it's supposed to be played which is a shame in and of itself
0: it's an interesting dilemma because the more widespread and like the bigger a game gets, the more people you're going to have with their hands in this, in yeah. the pot, right? And it's a difficult thing. I, I've seen this start to happen with Seven Wonders, believe it or not. Oh. I played with a couple people that uh, had completely off-base rules. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. And I, we consulted the rule book and they're like, oh, weird. And they said they had just learned it from a friend. They had never actually read the rules. Yep. And I was like, we got to fix that because um, it's it's dangerous. And um, totally. that's when I think house rules get, and I don't even know if house rules were the problem or if somebody ah. just wasn't really thorough at reading the rules and got something wrong. Because I think I'm that's more likely what it is. Right. And I'm definitely I think that's what happened
1: Yeah. I mean, we all, we all are like everyone learns a game wrong and then like finds out playing with someone else. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. You're, you're not allowed to do that. You have to do this or whatnot. Um, and I've even had that same experience. Like, um, I'm, I can't think of the, the specific example, but like a game that I learned from someone else and there, someone else was like, you know,
0: that's not how you're supposed to play. And I'm like, Oh, this is how I was taught. (laughs) Right. This is something that my wife makes endless fun of me for, but I really enjoy pulling out rules to a game that I know well and just reading through them, reading all of the little side <laughs> notes, all the little like captions next to diagrams. That's Not only hilarious. do they give like really interesting strategy tips every once in a while, but it's every once in a while I'll find a rule that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm oh. playing that wrong. Not a big deal, but it's something like you have a max discard limit of two or something like that, that you can't yeah, yeah, discard yeah. more than two cards. And it's like, okay, rarely do we ever discard more than two cards anyway, but those things are in there for a reason. And it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a really straight rule follower. And that's I, I mean, just I like my thing.
1: Totally get that. And I empathize with that even. Um, and that's why like, I, I remember when we, when we were playing Gatan that one time, that's why I was like, no, like these are the rules and i know why they're the rules we shouldn't change them but the thing is for me now i play games that i find to be mediocre but i look at the concept and i look at the components and the art and the theme and i go i know i can make this game better and i want i want to do it um yeah. and a, an example of that for me that comes to mind when i think of a game that i want to house rule is western legends which is a yeah awesome western themed sandbox game that just needed a little bit of adjustment and i think that they needed to play test it more um obviously they've play tested it more than i have but at the same time i don't know i i I just want to fix something maybe it's more actually that the game is for someone who's not me and i am me and i want to change it to be more like what i want um yeah and I think that's something that's that's cool about games. But it's funny because for me, I still think that it has, like, you have to make sure that you know more than what the designer, like, m- sorry. For me, I still find that it's important that I feel like I know more than the designer does, right? Like, I'll, I'll play a game like Terra Mystica, mm-hmm. and I'll question the rule, like, should that be, should that be this way? Should X, Y, or Z? And so, or I'll play it with somebody and they'll say, why is this this way? And I'll go, well, I don't actually know, but I bet there's a reason. And I'm right. willing, I want to figure out why. Um, so I don't know, maybe that has to do with just w- the credibility of a game. So like, of course, I'm going to trust Terra Mystica for the most part, because it's like a legend in the space, right? Mm-hmm. And that's... Versus I play another game that's more maybe like a B game, a side B game or whatever. And I don't know. I wonder if that's part of it for me.
0: Yeah. And I think we've addressed like all the different viewpoints and topics. Let's really quick. Um, there's one game that even though I'm pretty much against house rules and from um, <laughs> I'm, I'm an industrial designer by trade. And so I've seen so many times when People use products the wrong way and then complain about how poor of a product they are. Oh, yeah. And that's I a, think that's an oof. Yeah. That, I think that's where I get so hung up over house rules because I've also designed games and then seen people um, talk about them on Amazon, referencing how bad the game was. And then they, I keep reading and I'm like, it's clear that you were playing the game wrong, <laughs> which there is was so frustrating. A similar review. For- you know, there was a similar review for
1: Wingspan. I think on the Gamecasters podcast, they were reading some negative reviews of Wingspan, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a different game. But the person, no, I think I think I found this after the podcast episode. But um, this person explained what they were doing, and it was very, like you said, very obvious. You were not even playing Wingspan, right? This was an amalgamation of some other thing. Of course, you didn't like it. That's not a good game. Whatever you were doing. <laughs> wingspan though might
0: be (laughs) and that's that's really difficult for me to see but that's also very different i think that just comes out of not understanding the rules fully especially if they're talking about their first experiences with the game if you've played a game you have identified the flaw that kind of harms the game and you think you you have a way of fixing it sure i'm i'm all for it so the example that i'll give is um everdell beautiful game really decently balanced game the expansions are fair with the exception of Pearlbrook um and the way the game starts is you're just dealt a handful of cards and the game begins now in Everdell there's a very important chaining process where you build if you build the house for a specific critter then you can build that critter for free if you get these chains set up the game goes smoothly and you you get some real momentum from the beginning. If you cannot line those up, it's just a miserable experience. It just takes forever. And it's a worker placement game. So you place a worker, you get a couple berries. Next time you place a worker, you get some twigs. And then finally, you can build a building and then it's the next season and the game's a quarter of the way over. And so the if you sorry, The way this can be fixed, and it's a pretty easy fix, is just to have everybody get their hand of, I think it's seven cards that you start with, and then they just draft them, have everybody pick a card and pass them. And then you start seeing a variety of cards, and you can start lining those up from the beginning. Instead of somebody just being dealt a handful of cards that just happen to chain well off of each other, you actually can have people making intelligent decisions about, like, okay, look, if I build this card first, then it's going to help me get to these other cards. And then you can pick up a couple of those chains and you can really get some great momentum from the beginning. And if
1: everyone is in that position, then the game becomes an interesting competition. Yeah. Ideally.
0: Exactly. Because, I mean, some games, if somebody gets a good enough start, you just can't catch up. We've all seen it. It's just a thing that happens. And it does happen a decent amount with Everdell. Now it's a light enough game. And I mean, the, com- the competition level isn't that right. steep that it can be excused. And I think that's why it got past play testing and all of that, because yeah. it's a pretty minor thing. You need to play quite a bit before you start seeing like, wow, they only beat me because their first season was hand. so good. <laughs> totally. And it's something that even they might have thought, you know what, this game,
1: like they might have asked the question, who is this game for? And the answer might not have been somebody who would want to draft their opening hand. It might be someone who, you know, is, is more new to to games and maybe it's specifically trying to be approachable, which makes that decision make more sense. Even if they're sacrificing some strategic quality um, that's not necessarily the whole goal, but for someone like you and Mm -hmm. even me, maybe that's ideal. Maybe we want something that has a little more crunch and a little less luck factor at the front end um in which case to me i haven't tried this yet but to me that sounds like much better play experience yeah and that to me is why i love house rules because it is that kind of that kind of thing for me almost every single time it's a small change about like the way a market row works or
0: something like that not not something mm -hmm. so dramatic um generally and as i mean this is something that board game geek has done a really good job of perpetuating positive changes to games where you yeah. have forums where people variants. can discuss and yeah you have variants that are they can actually be sanctioned by the company so note to designers like it's okay to put in the back of the rule book like i mean we've all seen this the first time you're playing we recommend Yep. using this set of cards or this setup of like the market i mean eon zen does it i think quacks of quedlinburg has yeah, a recommended sure. starting setup dominion does it um there are these things that it's like you know what this will be a good intro and then from there like and I'm, do what you will imagine if everdell said
1: After you've played a lot, try the drafting variant where you draft your opening hand. It's just like, I mean, it's not uncommon for a game to have variants in the back of the rule book. I personally like it. Some people don't actually, um, but that sounds like a perfect variant. I I know, for instance, Res Arcana, um, great game. The way that it works is that you have a deck of eight cards. You start with three in your hand and over the course of every round, you draw one of them. And each card is dramatically impactful to what you can do. You're building an engine um, in your tableau. So the way that the game works is that you start, you could start with um, there's like some starting decks that you can use. That's like these eight cards go well together, these eight cards, and you can try those. But then it says from then on you shuffle it, all the cards and deal eight cards. So the normal game is just a random deck of eight cards, which sometimes works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's mediocre. Sometimes you can, you know, usually it's like possible to be like really solid, but In the back, it says, try the drafting variant where you draft your eight cards. And that is where the game becomes incredible. Very similar to the Everdell thing where Mm -hmm. you actually have more agency on what you are going to do once the game begins. And it creates for um, a much more exciting game. And I almost, I'm never going to play Resercona without drafting unless I'm potentially showing someone who wouldn't know what to draft, right?
0: And I think I think we can probably summarize I'm, a lot of the things that we've talked about on this episode into respect the designer enough to read the rule book thoroughly and give yeah. a decent effort to understanding why rules are there yep. and why things are done the way that they are. That that's I think that's integral because that ex, that will
1: basically pre- prevent you from making. St- hopefully prevent you from making um, dumb rule changes that honestly ruin the game. Right. Um, But at the same time, it can empower you to adjust the game how you like the idea is to just pay attention to what's going on. Really honestly assess why something you think isn't working and ask yourself if, you know, if maybe, maybe you want to change it.
0: If that doesn't even sound fun to you, don't even worry about it. I think a big part of it is if you can make a conscious decision to better the game for your group and your play style, then that's great. Because let's take the two scenarios, which is better? You play the game a couple of times, and you're like, it's garbage, I hate it. And you throw it out or sell it. Or you tweak a couple of rules and you're like, yeah, this really like fits what we're doing. And this is now a game that I can see myself introducing to people and that I can see our group playing often. Like One of those is definitely just a better place to be than the other. And- obviously the one with more gameplay is the better option that's i was gonna ask are you are you saying that selling it's the better one because it seemed before that you weren't in support of house rules oh no um i'm saying if you can make a good i i honestly now i don't own ticket to ride because i am in that boat that i played a few times and i was just like no i'm getting rid of it i don't like ticket to ride however i can if i really wanted to i think i could change the rules that would make it a game that i would enjoy playing and so if i ever stumble across one i may grab it and adjust some rules for me and my group and how we like to play it because i i don't have any desire to ever play ticket to ride again right now (laughs) yeah and i would also just add for me the reason why i do
1: this fairly regular not regularly but fairly often i i consider like how can i make this game better because I'm passionate about games in such a way that I love the, the, the ways that rules affect a game, why it makes it so good, why it makes it not work. And so the puzzle of trying to fix a game is part of the reason why I love games. It's why I love designing games. Um, I think designing games is a game in and, of, in and of itself, because you're like, I played the game, this is what worked, this is what didn't, how can I adjust and it, my strategy right in like designing it? Um, so that we can make the game better. That's just so fun to me. So when I play games like Western Legends or Calico or whatever, I'm like, I see what's great here. But I also think that this needs to change to really make it really a wonderful game. That's just fun to me. Like, it's just fulfilling for me. Um, So I don't know. I'm, I'm a big supporter of house rules, but I do think that it's important to be mindful and respect the game before you do house rules. Otherwise, you're going to be potentially missing out on what is maybe a different game than
0: you would normally like, but a great game. And that's where I think that's where we can leave it. House rules—it's—it's it's playing with fire. Um, it can be very rewarding and very fun, <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> but you need to respect it. You need to—you need to understand the rules. You need to understand why you're making change. It's—it's it's not just like. Hey, I have an idea. Whenever somebody has to pay something, let's pay it to the middle of the board, and then somebody's going to get this massive influx of cash that makes the game go on forever.
1: Uh-oh. It's a great
0: idea. <laughs> so it can be it can be a bad thing, and you can end up destroying um, experiences. But that's why that's why I say just be mindful and respect the
1: game. Um, I I can't think of any specific examples, but I know that there's been times where I, where we've thought of a house rule and we started implementing it, and I go. Oh, no, I can actually see why this won't fix it and will actually make Mm -hmm. it worse because the original thing actually, I think, was right, but I just didn't get that yet. Um, I don't know. There's also no harm done if you do any of this wrong. This is an incredibly incredibly minor. (laughs) (laughs) We act like it's this big, like we're giving you advice decision. (laughs) Right. We're giving you advice, but honestly, do whatever the heck you want and it's completely fine. But although I am upset if you, um make it that Catan doesn't need you to have two spaces between the settlements.
0: Yeah, don't don't try that one. It's just don't a do bad that idea. <laughs> <laughs> just to bring this back around to just like the moral of the story and why this is applicable to your life, it's the same thing with how you treat people and just everything in your life, just start <laughs> from a place of respect and just try to understand. Mm-hmm. And then treat gently from there you may like make a misstep and you may have to dial it back and be like okay yep (laughs) that's not the way to do things but i don't know we all just need to be a little bit more forgiving and upfront i think there we go there we go treat your games like they're people but don't treat people
1: like they're your games um (laughs) that you're trying to fix that's uh, well well said very not good (laughs) um don't make house rules for people
0: (laughs) yeah that's right that's my Uh, final piece of advice don't tell people how to change
1: exactly (laughs) you would really be a better person if um anything after that isn't really not good to say (laughs) thank you so much for listening i'm we're um we're so happy you're here and (laughs) we had a fun time talking about house rules i still love them um unless they're dumb
0: i'm gonna say that criteria i can give that's fair (laughs) I'm still going to say, I don't know that I trust the general public with house rules. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm not talking about the general public. I'm talking about specifically me, and I do trust my my opinion on games okay. quite a bit. Maybe I'll, too I'll much. Trust I, you too. I have my own YouTube channel, which is just me talking about what I
0: think. So <laughs> you're probably not the average. Right. <laughs> Hopefully not. If don't, you're listening to this I, podcast, I like you enough to trust you too. So you know what? There we go. There we go. We trust go you. Go change some rules. See how you like it. Let and us know. And-
1: let us know what 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 house rules you've made actually i would would love to hear that love to talk about those because often they're interesting at the very least and i think it'd be fun to talk about so please reach out
0: how's it going quick quick post show we'll make it yeah quick, uh, this yeah time. let's do like a five to ten minutes instead of our normal like half hour 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> It's not usually that long hopefully it is it's actually usually pretty long <laughs> yeah uh, um let's see uh life lately has just been a whirlwind um me too yeah it's just which is why i think we uh missed recording last week and stuff That's but I um i don't know just crazy stuff at work um I don't know. Just less time for games. And it's been a lot of family stuff. Uh, My son has um, this alert. It's this allergy. It's called eosinophilic esophagitis, which is a mouthful. Um, But we've been doing a six food elimination diet. So he can't have wheat, soy, eggs, dairy. Oh man. um, Fish or what's the other one? Basically, he can eat eat fresh fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, he's going in for another scope. This is his third one. And um, where they'll scope his throat and see if um, our elimination diet has been helping. Um, And hopefully we'll get to add wheat back in because having a a kid that he just can't have a sandwich um, Mm -hmm. is hard. Yeah, I believe that. So anyway... been a a bit of drama lately but um board games are still usually my uh go-to escape and uh after Mm -hmm. this call ends i'll probably pull up some mystic veil on my phone and try and destroy some computer players at it heck yeah i get that that's fun
1: yeah i i'm in a similar position where life's been a little crazy there's been some relational uh, drama or whatnot i don't know it's resolved it's fine um, I'm not going to go into it on here. If you're curious, I might be willing to share Reach out. I don't know. It doesn't matter either way. I also started a new job recently. So basically board games have taken a little bit of the wayside, but not completely. Um, and I'm ex- actually really excited about some of the games I have been playing lately. Um, mostly it's been two player games, specifically a lot of, um, expandable community driven card games like, um, ashes. I-, I know I mentioned that a while mm-hmm. back whenever we were recording um, that I was starting to get into it. I also recently tried flesh and blood recently for the first time, which is a collectible card game specifically that I think is really cool. Basically what it is is you're basically two different heroes just having a duel. It's your, it's your standard dueling card game, except Mm -hmm. it's not one where you're summoning guys to fight for you and doing magic spells. It's like literally every turn, all you do is a specific kind of attack and you're doing damage. So it's, it's like almost literally like a fight. Like two people just actually there fighting. Um, nice. And the way that they emulate um, momentum and um, mostly momentum actually is really really interesting. Basically, on your turn, you have four cards, and you can spend some of the cards to give you resources, and you can use those resources to s- to play other cards, and you'll basically put out a certain amount of attack. And sometimes those attacks will do specific things. But then the opponent will discard some cards from their hand to defend that attack. Um, the, rema- the difference, um, if you attack more than they defend, deals damage to them. You want to kill them to get them down to zero health to win. But what's interesting is that you only draw up to four cards at the end of your turn. So after you attack, you draw up. But then the opponent goes and attacks you, which means you have to use those four cards to defend which means if someone does enough damage to you that's threatening you, that you need to defend with more of your cards, you have less capability to put out a strong attack, which means they don't have to defend as much, which means they can keep on getting you down. So hmm. it creates a lot of really exciting moments, really interesting gameplay stuff. Um, so it's just it's just really cool. It's just a really cool game, really cool game system that I'm super excited to try more of. Um, it's a collectible card game. So if you have infinite dollars then you can
0: get into it too <laughs> yeah that's the uh, that's the problem with collectible card games huh <laughs> the biggest wallet it, wins usually yeah <laughs> uh, good stuff uh, um,
1: in this situation they actually do they actually do a really good job at making it like that you can with very little amount of cards make really solid and playable decks um, so it's not so much play to or pay to win with this one I don't think but at the same time it's still not cheap yeah um, by any means like if you want a cheap game go buy like the crew you know yeah uh, i don't know so like, game. board games are just way cheaper than collectible card games which are way cheaper than miniature games um
0: it's true so um, yeah. so my my kids have been doing this interesting thing in the mornings where they'll after i get back from my run they'll usually um get up and want to play a game and uh-huh. That's great. they That's used awful. to get up and ask for video games. And lately they've been transitioning to, which is why like I always try and get back. They they're like commanded to stay in their room until 7am uh, because otherwise I, I they remember get up.
1: being a kid in that position, just looking at the clock. Yeah.
0: Waiting. <laughs> it's, That's hilarious. So um, because otherwise it just is this problem where they'd keep pushing it earlier and earlier. Um So anyway, we set a rule. It's like, okay, you can ask Alexa when, um you can come out of your room and um so lately if i'm back then they'll usually say like hey can we play a board game so lately it's been mastermind junior which is awesome to see them start reasoning through like have you ever played mastermind yeah yeah it's uh it's a good classic um but basically somebody chooses like person playing yeah yeah. <laughs> um, they choose like the <laughs> hidden like order of like the colors, and then you're guessing, and they say whether it's right in the right spot or r- right color in the wrong spot, anyway. Um, so they've been loving that, yeah, it's a, um, it's a logic puzzle, yeah, it's a logic game. So it's fun to see kids start catching on to the logic of like, oh, wait, because I guessed that back there, and I, I need to change mm. it up here to get more information, yeah. Um, at that end, uh, King of Tokyo, um, I had. Oh. Yeah, I've had King of Tokyo for well, I've had King of New York for a long time. Just disclaimer, I put out a whole YouTube video just on why King of New York was such a bad design. I um I completely agree with it by the way. Okay, good. Um King of Tokyo is a great game and the other day my 4-year-old beat me and uh, my 6-year-old. Just he was in he was sitting in Tokyo with 10 life and just rolled five of like the claws and just destroyed us killed us both outright while he was sitting in Tokyo that is like never happens yep (laughs) um but yeah he just he got control and just dominated and I was so proud (laughs) that's awesome I bet that was a
1: very fun moment for him that you basically ruined his entire life because now all he's
0: going to want to do is play games from now on I know and that's I know that's going to be I'm like wow I'm I'm like selling their souls to board games before they're even (laughs) aware of it it's really bad oh my gosh that's so funny I I love that though
1: um I don't have kids but I know that whenever I do any honestly anything that I can share with them that I love Mm -hmm. I imagine is just like the best feeling in the world when they when they grasp it
0: yeah the fact that my four-year-old has seen every Harry Potter movie maybe not my (laughs) maybe not my best uh poster for uh good parenting but (laughs) yeah those get pretty pretty crazy pretty towards the end they do um i read one time this is another topic i read one time that kids don't have the same concept of scary as we do they said like uh frightening images and stuff to kids they don't have context and so frightening images actually aren't um they problem. aren't scary for kids necessarily. They said the thing that will scare kids most is betrayal. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense on right? a lot of levels because they're so reliant on people to be good and to provide them with things. So they see like watch having a movie where they watch somebody like that. They think is a good guy that all of a sudden turns. They said that is actually That's- pretty crippling for a kid's mm-hmm. trust. More traumatic. Dang, yeah. I love. I love learning about things like that. Yeah, so that's one thing that I do try and be pretty conscious about when introducing my kids to media. Is I mean, the whole like they should learn early that dragons aren't real and that magic isn't real. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil Harry Potter. (laughs) There's
1: a pretty brutal betrayal, but then I guess it.
0: Anyways, you know what I'm
1: talking about. I'm sure.
0: Everybody read Harry Potter, listen to Harry Potter. All the audiobooks are phenomenal. The movies are great. It's a great series. Oh, man. All right. I think that's probably where we can leave it, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much
1: for, for the conversation. It was good to hear from you. And Yeah, it's good uh, catching up. But it's really good catching up, yeah.
0: I, I was seriously like, I when I texted you, I was like, there's <laughs> been a dearth in my life where evan once was was we need to (laughs) talk again we do and i I wish i had more time to just talk
1: outside of the podcast yeah today but uh i don't have the time Um, we're both busy (laughs) we are busy well we could i do have the time in in general to talk to you outside of the podcast i just mean right now it's like 10 p.m and my roommate really wants to go to sleep so yeah that's fair (laughs) all right (laughs) okay we'll see you
0: we'll talk again soon peace out